It's time to pull those belts tight, race fans. The Front Stretch is coming at you. Presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs. Now, here's Dan Taylor and Dirk Houston. Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs, online at joeskarting.com, fast-paced white knuckle racing, just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today, do yourself right with a little indoor kart racing. And unfortunately, we got to start the uh, show with some sad news, uh, a friend of mine, and uh, Dirk, I'm not sure if you knew Kim well, or just knew of him, but... Uh, oh, no, a- I've known Kim for 30 years. A, uh, a absolute powerhouse in the classic car industry. Uh, Kim Elder passed away. I believe it was either late Friday night or early Saturday morning um, from uh, surprise medical issues. Uh, they just kind of popped up Thursday from what I understand. And he was rushed to the emergency room and um, they did everything they could to, to keep him with us. But unfortunately uh, he passed away uh, shortly after arriving at the uh, hospital. So, uh, Kim is the husband of Carol Elder, who Sarah and I have been very close with both of them over the last couple of years, helping out with the Wheels of Courage car show. And uh, in uh, tributes, uh, Quaker Steak is going to be doing a special a, a celebration of life on Thursday, uh, starting at two o'clock. Their parking lot is going to be closed to all patrons. Right after the lunch rush, right at about 1.30, they'll get everybody out. They're going to uh, allow all the uh, classic cars in the community that have been coming out to Quaker Steak for years to park up. And uh, you want to talk about the biggest classic car night they're ever going to have? I mean, it's going to be 250 plus without a doubt. Uh, there's going to be people driving for hours wanting to come pay tribute to uh, to Kim and, and help give their support to Carol. So uh, if you guys want to come. Uh, I'm definitely going to be down there. Uh, Sarah is working to rearrange her schedule so she can join too because uh, we obviously both want to be there for the elder family and uh, and pay our respects to Kim and see our old friends uh, a couple more times. So I uh, highly encourage everybody to come out. Again, that's this coming Thursday for Classic Car Cruise and uh, paying tribute, a celebration of life to Kim Elder who passed away over the weekend. So he used to own, um, it was a repair shop right there on the corner of South Expressway and what, 20, 23rd, where that Casey's is now? Yeah, I believe that's where it was. Yeah. Uh, he repaired cars for decades, and his house was just down the road. I got to go over there a couple of times and and see his collection. And, God, he's got some absolutely gorgeous classic cars. Uh, him and his wife both uh, were very dedicated to the classic car community, hence them helping out with the Wheels of Courage car show, uh, which, again, is coming up, uh, I think, June it's about a month away. I want to say it's going to be June 24th this year, but I'll double check and, and uh, get you guys details on that. But uh, that was really heartbreaking to find out uh, Saturday afternoon uh, that Kim had passed away suddenly. So, Yeah, I actually uh, saw something on it Friday night, but uh, the person that I chatted with afterwards trying to verify it told me that as of right now, he thinks it possibly just a rumor. But everything confirmed then by the Saturday morning. So that's tough. Uh, also, speaking about our friends at Quaker Steak and Lube, uh, they are going to be closed a little bit of Tuesday. They're hoping just Tuesday morning, but it may trickle into Tuesday afternoon. Uh, they are doing some repairs to the restaurant. And uh, so they're just going to, they're closed down for the early week. But again, like I said, they're going to be back open running 
hopefully Tuesday night for all you can eat wings and then uh, back Wednesday and Thursday, Thursday for the classic car cruising and the celebration of life. All right. Got that out of the way. And by the way, uh, James Rowland joining us on the show now, James, uh, I, I kind of wanted to bring you in because uh, I, I think you've got a, a different perspective than, than Dirk and I do. And you and I always have a good conversation about some of these NASCAR races. So I wanted to bring you in, but um, I also noticed uh, on Monday as we record that um, it is the four year anniversary of uh, uh, Jimmy Grasso passing away on uh, Monday, May 24th. It's amazing how fast time flies. Absolutely. So we'll have to do something special for Jimmy coming up uh, this Saturday at Eagle Raceway for the uh, Memorial Day extravaganza. Absolutely. Uh, Dirk, should we do a race recap for All-Star Race or just talk about all the stuff that kind of resulted from that weekend? Well, the race recap for the All-Star Race is Kyle Larson got in front, race over. I mean, yeah, he. Uh, what was his? What, what did he say in the post-race interview? I think that's what they call a good old-fashioned ass whooping. Something like that. And I mm-hmm. thought he was talking about his wife slamming the beer, but you know, <laughs> she put a yeah. hurt on her for his life. I tuned in right. I don't know. He had. I I, I got home from the pub and it was on a the bush race. light. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was a Coors light. Uh, they even but, made comment about it. Anyways, uh, the picture that was shown was clearly a bud or a bush light. Excuse me, bush light. Well, this will well, be a if mystery. That's the we'll only thing that we, if that's the only disagreement that we have today, it'll be a pretty good show. <laughs> but I'm positive it was a bush light. Uh, all right. Well, we're both positive. I'm in. Uh, I'm indecisive. So, all right. Let's. Uh, I, I think when I tuned in, uh, Kyle had like a 14 second lead over second place. And uh, then there was a, I don't know if it was an end of it. I think it might've been the end of the stage or or at least a caution because they stacked them all back up again. And, and he just, he took off and, and was absolutely gone. I think he ended up winning about like four, four and a half seconds, something like that. Yeah. I think it was about four and a half and, Bubba had actually cut it under four. I think he got it down to like 3.4 seconds with about 10 laps to go, but they were in traffic. And then once he caught the traffic that Kyle was struggling with, then it went right back up into the high, into the mid to high fours. So this is one of the big reasons why I wanted to have James kind of join us and and Dirk, we'll we'll start with you, but uh, usually this is where we talk about your thoughts on the race. I only got to see a small portion of it. So I kind of want to hear what you guys have to say about your thoughts on the race. So Dirk, let's start off with you. Boring. Um, (laughs) Well, when somebody dominates a race like that and the camera works, not showing the race and in the field, you know, like I like to watch, you know, that I'll sit there and not even look at the leader for four hours, you know, and you know, it, it was just boring. You know, he, uh, I'll guarantee you the race director was up there and holding his hand over the mic going, Larson's really stinking up this show. Can we throw it yellow? Is there any debris? Is it raining? Does anybody see anything? Is there any debris on the racetrack? I'm serious. That's what goes on up in that tower on a race like that. Is it me, but does it seem like the all-star race is just probably the most boring race of the year? It has been for like the last five or six years. It just seems like wherever they take it, it's a huge lead for the leader and everybody else is just kind of back there hanging out. They're not really fighting for position because there's not a huge benefit to it. It's not like you're gaining extra points for the championship. Well, accurate. 
Well, not really, because a lot of these cars are test vehicles and they want them pushed and they want them beat on. But when they went to a track that nobody's run on for almost 30 years, they really had nothing to go with. You yeah. know, they weren't they weren't going to gain any data. So, you know, in this case, yeah, just running around and trying not to tear up the equipment was, is probably a, a pretty accurate statement. And, and you can, uh, years ago when the all-star race was at Charlotte, you could do some experimenting because you had the 600 coming up the next weekend. And so you could play around with something. Great. That's a, the all-star race is a fine race to pull out some experimental package and stink up the show because you'll learn a lot by stinking up the show uh, just as much as you probably would by, by doing what Kyle Larson did, but they don't have the benefit of coming back to North Wilkesboro this year. So there's like you, Dirk, you were saying, there's not a lot of information gained from this. Well, and they had no information to start with. Yeah. Now they've got something. So if they come back again, then they can, you know, try something a little different, have the same package and see if they get the same results, whatever. But there's nobody in the, there was nobody in a car last night or yeah, last night um, that had driven work Wilkesboro previously in a cup car. And of course, nobody's driven it in this car. Yeah. In the second year of the car. So there was nothing to, to gain anywhere except just uh, a baseline. I, I got a real kick out of, uh, I, I watched one video uh, on NASCAR's YouTube channel that said uh, drivers verse 1996 and 96 was the last time North Wilkesboro raced so they started off and they were doing things like they were taking things that were popular in 96 and seeing what the drivers knew about it there was a picture of an n64 and um and i think the spice girls and a couple things like that but the first thing they did was ask the drivers how old they were the last time nascar raced at north wilkesboro and it was you know chase elliott was like half a year old i think kyle larson was like a year old uh, and, and William Byron was four years old. I think a couple of the drivers actually joked. They said, well, I, I think I'm actually negative four. And then it cut to Kevin Harvick and he goes, I was 20. <laughs> I just, I, th- I thought they pieced that together really well to where you're, you're just talking about how young everybody is and young everybody's. And then, then there's Harvick. I was 20. But to your point, uh, which you were kind of talking about, he, he wasn't involved in the racing at that time. Uh, he didn't like, I think we talked about it last weekend or a couple of weekends before uh, a couple of shows before he, he didn't get involved uh, with full-time racing until what? 2000, 2001. Um, yeah, I, Harvick went cup full-time in 2001. That's yeah, correct. I thought he, I, I think he raced a little bit in 2000, but still years off of them that raced in North Wilkesboro. Uh, let's switch over to James. Uh, James, I, I know you posted a couple of things that you had a lot of fun watching the races that weekend. What are your thoughts about North Wilkesboro from this weekend? You know, as a guy who I I was around in 96, I was definitely watching NASCAR with my parents and grandparents. I, I don't remember North Wilkesboro growing up. So fortunately, when you work a lovely second shift job and you don't have a whole lot of a life aside from going to the racetrack, I listened to probably a dozen North Wilkesboro races last week. And it seemed like a pretty standard North Wilkesboro race to me. Uh, the truck race I thought was a lot more interesting than the cup race. I think the highlight of the whole cup part of the weekend was actually the open, watching a couple rookies really fight and struggle to get in, which I did not foresee rookies making that because, as you guys covered, you know, 
this is a racetrack that nobody's really gotten to run on, especially yeah. in a cup car and in this cup car. So it seemed pretty standard, cut and dry, kind of a runaway thing. I'm not going to lie. Sometimes I enjoy watching Kyle Larson stink up a show because, you know, it riles people up. And when it comes to NASCAR, I don't mind watching people get a little riled up. <laughs> I was just amazed reading through, you know, some of the NASCAR threads and whatnot today on just about every one of them. You know, you had your Hendrick Caters and, and whatnots going on, but there was a conspiracy guy. How can one guy go out and be that much better than everybody else? Well, uh, he's Kyle Larson. Well, that's what, <laughs> that's what I answered a couple times. But the more I thought about it was he did have the laps in the truck race. And on a track nobody's been to, that had to be an advantage. Yeah. Had to be. Oh, Absolutely. I mean, you look at the cup guys who finished top five in that truck race. I don't know where Chastain ended up on Sunday, but, you know, Wallace and Larson, the last 25 laps of that truck race was the Wallace and Larson show. I think that helped him out a lot. Um, listening to Kyle's post race with him and the crew chief, I listened to Saturday nights and Sunday nights, and, you know, it definitely showed that a little bit of experience kind of went a long way. You know, it's an old track. It eats tires, which is kind of the way that I like it. But, yeah, I definitely think that it helped the truckers out or the cup guys out running the trucks. By the way, Chastain so, finished 11th. I don't think it, it really ate the tires as bad. I think it, it caused them to harden up. I think they were, you know, just basically turned to bricks. Yeah, it wasn't near as much wear as kind of everybody had speculated that it was going to be going in. But, yeah, they definitely hardened up. Well, and that's that's the hardening up is usually what slows them down. A lot more than, you know, if they're just getting graded up and chewed up. But, you know, I just think on this particular track with this particular tire when they hardened up, and I'm sure it was very, very slick. I watched a lot of it on – uh nascar.com with the in car and you could hear the guys they were just idling through the turns and then feathering out they they were well down the straightaway before they put the hammer down you know yeah just, even on the broadcast i i even noticed on the broadcast on the, oh, i noticed sorry. on a little bit that i saw no you're good james i noticed on a little bit that i saw that there was a lot of guys that were very squirrely coming off the corner because they were trying to get everything they could but they just couldn't get a lot of grip right yeah, I heard a lot of driver communication from several different drivers talking about loose on exit, and then you'd glance up at the TV and be like, "Oh, yep, that's definitely loose on exit." Yeah, I, I think I, I think I saw them uh, the, the commercial breaks. I saw them during the Fox broadcast with. I think it came to the end of the first stage or the first caution or whatever, and they were talking about. Uh, there's going to be a lot of guys putting wedge in this car because it it they were just so far off. Uh, at the beginning of the race that uh, that they had a lot of adjustments they made. And uh, it just, <clears throat> again, it, it was kind of an unfortunate race. I was hoping that even though Kyle Larson kind of stunk it up, there was going to be some, still some good racing back in the pack, but I didn't see much of it. I was hoping I kind of missed it, but James, let's start with you. Are you a fan of them adding North Wilkesboro to the regular season schedule? Or do you think this was kind of a flash in the pan? I got to kind of take a page from Kyle Larson's notebook on this one, and I would rather see it being a points-paying race because the all-star race, as Kyle made the point of, is just way better off, in my opinion, 
going around. Kyle Larson has won three of those things, and they've all been at different racetracks. And what tells me or what makes an all-star for me is somebody who can be versatile in where they get it done. You know, Dale Earnhardt won three of them at Charlotte, and that's all well and good. I can't take anything from Dale Earnhardt. He's a seven-time champion. But I do think that it's cooler in the modern era that they travel around and really make these guys perform on, you know, in different venues. Don't yeah. take it to a road course, but <laughs> move it around to ovals. I'm all for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was never see a, it as a points race. I was never a fan of it sitting at Charlotte. And I, I think I've made it pretty clear. I'm not a fan of Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, the Coca-Cola 600 is probably the second most worthless race in my book for the season. Uh, it's just a long drawn out race that is so aero dependent that it very rarely causes any great racing, but we're kind of getting a little sidetracked on that point. But uh, Dirk, what do you think? Would you like to see North Wilkesboro back or do you want it to be a one and done? Um, right now, I'd like to see him maybe run some trucks in the Xfinity there for a couple of years and see if they can somehow, whether they have to repave the track, they've got to do something to make it race. Right now, the, the, I, do I want to see ever at that track in a race like last night? No. Yeah. Why would you? You know, but yeah, if they repave it and, you know, uh, or rebank it, I mean, whatever they need to do to make it racy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, it, we've talked about this before. Once does not make a trend. We're, you know, I think the first Charlotte Roval race wasn't great and we kind of said let's just wait and see what it does over the next couple of years and how they they change because you know nascar is very good about modifying and kind of molding the way they do things to maybe fit a track a little bit better and sometimes they're that good sometimes they're not but um yeah i i don't know if i want to see it a second time uh you know maybe as a points race and just see how much different it is I mean, give it a shot. I mean, I, I guess I'd rather watch a race at North Wilkesboro than Charlotte, <laughs> but Charlotte's not going away. So don't don't make me don't think I'm uh, I'm I'm hoping that Na that NASCAR cancels any races at Charlotte. That's going to be a surefire race for a long time. I wanted to talk about a couple of the news topics. Unless you guys got anything else you wanted to bring up about Sunday's All Star race at North Wilkesboro. Well, um, people need to quit getting so offended over a middle finger. Well, that's, that's the next, all the greats have done it. That's the next topic we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, head of the game. That's a rarity. <laughs> I don't remember too, too many of them doing it on national TV in the middle of their interview, though. Well, see a lot Chase Elliott. When they pass them, you see a lot of that. But I think it's a fact that he did it, you know, right on national TV during the interview. That's the part that's got everybody upset. Well, I, I just I, don't understand the outrage. Yeah, you do. Uh, it has nothing to do with the middle finger. It has everything to do with the guy who flipped it. I never two way street. You know, it's. I was thinking about it a lot today. So we got two topics here to talk about. With this, is Bubba flipping the crowd off as they were booing him during his post race interview for the truck series race? No, I, th I think it was the uh, the the cup series. But either way, also a lot of fans noted that as the cameras approached Kyle Larson as he was getting ready for his. Uh, Fred Stretch interview uh, dropped the F-bomb on national television. Uh, yep. I believe he screamed F yeah. And in in my book, if you're going to be mad at Bubba Wallace for flipping the camera off, which he did kind of one of those half things, you know, like when you were a kid and you kind of scratch your forehead with your middle finger 
you're kind of facetiously flipping somebody off. That's what he did. And exactly. There's a lot of people that are putting videos out there and, and, and stuff that it's the video of him doing the interview. And then all of a sudden it's a picture because the picture is more powerful than him very quickly flipping the finger. But either way, I don't think it was the right thing to do. I think he's, he's, it, it just wasn't a very classy move. And, and, uh, He's maybe got just a little bit more growing up to do, but in my opinion, what Kyle did and what Bubba did are basically the same thing. They used the F word in the F expression on national television. And, and the FCC isn't going to come after either of them. No, they're not. <laughs> the FCC quit carrying a long time ago. Well, they wouldn't, go after, they wouldn't go after either one of them. They'd be going after Fox. And I was kind of surprised. It's I was also thinking about this. There's been a little bit of a trend. It seems like the last year and a half, two years, that when there is a cuss word over the radio, if it happens to be over communication and one of the drivers is communicating with his team and, and the broadcast happens to be checking in and they drop the F-bomb, in the past, the, the broadcast team would clean it up and just say, hey, we apologize for the language that went over the over the radio. Uh, it's an emotional sport and it happens, but we greatly apologize to anybody it affected. They cover it. They cover their ass, their, their butts that way. Uh, just like we do at the local tracks. Right. But they haven't been doing that lately. I've noticed a couple of uh, swear words that have gotten out over the broadcast and the broadcast team didn't clean it up. Maybe they don't feel like it's necessary and the better move is to just move on and not acknowledge it. But I, I haven't seen a lot of that getting cleaned up. But yeah, that was just kind of my two cents on the Bubba flip and the, and the Kyle uh, open mic gaff again is just it's the same thing in my book. And and if you hate Bubba for flipping the camera off and you love Kyle for showing his emotion, you're kind of being a little hypocritical, in my opinion. Oh, a lot. I can't disagree with that, man. It's not very interesting when all three of us agree. I, th- I thought for sure I could pick a fight between you and Dirk. <laughs> oh, well, I, I think I have the one thing that can do that. All right. Let's not forget that the most positive thing to come out of that whole situation that everybody dealt with in 2020 is that we got North Wilkesboro back that infrastructure bill. I mean, honestly, we could thank Joe Biden for North Wilkesboro, but I don't want to get that political. Whoa. We don't be thanking Joe Biden for anything. I don't care what he does. We don't, we don't thank Joe Biden. Well, you're Dale right. We don't, but he is the guy that signed the bill. That was, that was all that I really had for it. And I knew that it'd get a laugh. Yeah. That bill had nothing to do with North Wilkesboro coming back. Dale Earnhardt Jr. Uh, got North Wilkesboro back, and he's the only one that did it. I, I was going to say, as we got, would have never happened. I was going to say, as we got started, um, if only Dale Jr. would have bought Iowa Speedway. <laughs> right. <you go. laughs> we could have been seeing a race in Iowa Speedway. Whatever. Yeah, know. we could have been seeing a race in North. Race there. It's hey, listen. I guess a lot of uh, drivers, uh, Xfinity series, truck series, and cup series, raving about how great the racetrack was just isn't enough to get a race there. There was somebody on door bumper clear like a week or two ago that was talking about Iowa Speedway. As a guy that's never been there, I need to see something there. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if they're going to get that excited over a venue that seats less than 30,000 people just because we used to race there 30 years ago, why can't we go back to a track that we raced at 10 years ago that has a far more updated facility, seats just as many people, and has just as crappy an infrastructure around it? <laughs> I mean, if people can do it, then why don't we do it? Yeah, There's all these good venues sitting around that NASCAR or SMI owns that sit dormant. If they can bring one back after 30 years, let's start bringing some of the other ones back and maybe start doing single dates instead of double dates. 
Yeah, they don't need to bring anything back to Iowa Speedway except people. That's why they lost. Open the gate. Nobody supported yeah. the racetrack. Well, it's it's unfortunate. Just like what will happen to Wilkesboro. Or I, what could happen to Wilkesboro. You know how those like inaugural events go. Yeah, That's why Wilkesboro went off the schedule before. It's cause yes, the, sir. The North Carolina area was saturated with tracks. Mm-hmm. Saturated. You had North Wilkesboro. You had Charlotte. You had Rockingham. You know, all in the same state. And two of them went away because they didn't draw any people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, unfortunately, Dirk and I saw it firsthand. Uh, James, I wish you could have been a part of it and head over to Iowa Speedway with us one time to, to experience that because – it was my, my it, I'm obviously a little biased, but it was one of my favorite NASCAR tracks because it was great action. You're up close and personal, but we came on the show several times after being at Iowa Speedway for an Xfinity Series race or a Truck Series weekend and just simply said, if the fans don't start turning out, they're not going to come and NASCAR is not going to support this track. And unfortunately, that was one of the times I didn't want to be right, but I was and I mean, we're talking quarter capacity. At I think Iowa Speedway was like eighteen thousand or or twenty two thousand or something like that for their permanent um, seating. Well, their permanent seating, I think, was up when they originally built the track and put all the seating in. The original seating was for almost forty thousand because the first the first Xfinity race they had there, when they were still allowing you know drivers to. Uh, um, you know, come down, you know, the cup drivers could all come down and run the whole schedule if they want. Um, Brad Keselowski was, um, I think 2009 was the year he won the uh, Xfinity, well, um, Nationwide. There we go. That's what it was at that time. But I think Mm -hmm. that's when he won that title. And um, they had all kinds of guys qualifying cars. They'd all fly in to qualify the cars uh, or race the car on – Saturday, but on Friday qualifying, the cup guys were all up at Pocono practicing. And so you'd have Carl Edwards showing up. You'd have Kyle Busch show up. Harvick showed up one time. And all these guys are starting at the back. You talk about a great race watching yeah. them come through the field. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely amazing. awesome. And they and- had to put, they put 20,000 plus temporary grandstands. In turns one and in turns four, they had 60-some thousand people there for the inaugural race. And it just, the next year, it brought about 45, I think. And it just kept going down. Yeah, it just trickled down quite a bit. Uh, by the way, a quick uh, Google search shows that 25,000 permanent seats. So I was a little off. Maybe now, but what did it have 15 years ago? That's um, unfortunately that's the only article I could find is that it currently has twenty five thousand permanent seats. Okay. That's yeah, almost back it. to encyclopedia times. It was forty thousand or right at yeah. forty thousand. Yeah, I I don't doubt that at all. <clears throat> uh, by the way, just to plug our friends at Iowa Speedway, they have a weekend coming up. Um, they have a Arkham Menard Series weekend coming up July fifteenth. That is a single that's day event. Star. Right. Um, and then there is the Hy-Vee IndyCar Race Weekend, which is the 21st, 22nd, 23rd of July. And that features the big concert series. Carrie Underwood is going to be performing pre-race Saturday, July 22nd. Kenny Chesney will play, will perform post-race Saturday, July 22nd. Uh, Zach Brown Band will play pre-race on Sunday, July 23rd. And Ed Sheeran will play post-race 
Sunday, July 23rd. So four, I mean, that's four huge acts that uh, should sell a ticket or two. And that's all trying to talk Sarah into going. Oh, definitely. I want to go to that IndyCar weekend and we haven't been able to go for a long time because it's been over the silver dollar nationals weekend. So now that I'm, I'm not contractually obligated to go to that race and have no interest now that it's not at I-80 Speedway, um, I want to go to IndyCar race at uh, Iowa again. I haven't been for years, and I want to go again. I might try and make it down for Sunday, but somebody's got to hold down the fort at the old Saturday night office. Oh, well, yeah, I'm not I'm not giving up my Saturday night gig for that. We'll, we'll head over Sunday morning and watch the IndyCar race. Well, and deal, I'll, I'll kick in on gas. Sure. I'll... In the electric car, he's going to kick in on gas. <laughs> yep, <laughs> exactly. I'll... I'll definitely charge you by the gallon. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad oh, Dirk boy, got dude. the joke. <laughs> All right, let's focus back up uh, and talk about a couple of the headlines. One thing I thought was uh, a little bit interesting. Uh, apparently, Bubba Wallace's radio was accessed during the All Star race. Um, Third time this year. Is it really? I've listened. I mean, I listen every week. Obviously, I'm a bit of mm-hmm. a fan. But yeah, that uh, that's something that keeps happening. It was another thing that was addressed by the gang over at Door Bumper Clear the last time it happened. And they made the point that, well, or somebody had made the point of why can't they stop doing this? And it's simple. It's because it's done on a radio frequency. Yeah. Radio frequencies, you know, you you can't easily lock something like that. I know we've had issues with that at Eagle every once in a while. We have to make announcements that uh, somebody is uh, using their radio to listen to the receivers, which is fine. That's in the officials channel, but then they forget or they lock their microphone open or something and the officials can't communicate. So it happens at Eagle every once in a while um, that I, I, I am a little bit surprised that, that, you know, they, these guys don't have the sophisticated technology that they would have, uh, scrambled channels that they would be able to communicate uh, to each other on a scrambled channel, but then also be able to broadcast on a different channel to where fans can tune in. But yeah, I, I, I thought it was only the first time, but the third time is um, probably going to get a little annoying. Yeah. It kind of gets old, but he's yeah. also not the first guy that that's happened to either. Yeah. I was in a truck race at Gateway. Let's just say about 2000, two, three or four or something like that. And, uh, Somebody locked up our radios, NASCAR's radios. We couldn't do nothing. They actually put a red flag on the race. Really? Yeah. Took about a half an hour to get it all figured out. And I don't know if they ever got it figured out, but we got the race in. But yeah, we were, we were locked down and we had deals, you know, we had uh, uh, protocols for lack of a better term on, you know, procedures, whatever you want to call it. Um, Because there were times when a, a radio button would just stick. Yeah. And you, so you'd be sitting there and you don't hear nothing on pit road. And all of a sudden somebody's coming over and tapping you on the shoulder and they're set, trying to say something to you and you don't hear them. So then they pull your radio off your belt and they start jacking with it. Boom. Then you're, you're back to good. So, you know, they just yell from the tower, check your radio. And if you see the guy next to you not checking his radio. Then you go talk to him. <laughs> Uh, Casey Kane announced that he is interested in uh, a, or he is at least considering a return to NASCAR. I saw this article and I thought, well, does NASCAR want him back? He's kind of doing some good stuff down in the dirt series. I'm not sure why he'd want to come race up in the cup series, or at least in NASCAR again, if it's trucks or Xfinity series. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is he wanting to come back to the Cup Series, or is he just looking to to run some one-off deals like uh, the trucks at Eldora or the trucks at Knoxville? You know, run the trucks in the dirt type thing, or you know, or Bristol. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, "I think it would be great to run a stock car again." Kane, now forty-three years old, said his health was struggling, uh, struggling pretty bad in 2018 with his final cup series race at Darlington raceway on that traditional labor day weekend said it's, it's as bad as I've ever felt. I've done a lot since then. And I think my body is in a much better place. I needed to rest. I needed to understand the things that I'd gone through. It was a long process and I feel the way I should feel. And it's nice. Am I now all of a sudden remembering that he kind of retired? He, he got out of the cup series a little bit early because of some continuing health issues. Well, it was, uh, head trauma, concussion-type mm. symptoms. Because mm. uh, remember, we went over and talked to him a little bit at, at Knoxville. And, uh, you know, we we just flat asked him, so when are you going to be back in a cup car? And he said, I don't know. Yeah. Mm. And I don't think he ever came back. He's one of those guys that uh, he had a very bright future in front of him, but unfortunately just he'd have sparks of, of greatness, but never could really put much together. And I remember Joe Kaziski talking to me and said uh, it had nothing to do with Casey. It had to do with the curse on the five car. Everybody who's driven that five car has really struggled in it. And uh, well, Kyle Larson kind of put that curse to an end. Yeah, I think that curse is over with. (laughs) But um, Casey's also out of the World of Outlaws schedule right now due to injury. Is he really? You know, yeah. I mean, Casey Kane was my driver way before Bubba Wallace was. So I've kind of tried to keep tabs on him for what he not only did in NASCAR, but what he actively continues to do for the dirt racing world. And I mean, he just needs to stay healthy. I know yeah. that's way easier said than done, especially as you start to get older. But yeah, I, I mean, my heart about jumped out of my chest when I saw that article. It'd be cool to see, but we'll see. Time will yeah. tell. There's not a lot of rides that are just readily available in the cup series, unless we, we talk about a surprise injury all of a sudden, but yeah, he may be talking about maybe running like Dirk would say, maybe running Bristol dirt uh, in, uh, in one of the support series or, or something like that. Well, and you know, there's a lot of teams if he could, you know, bring a checkbook with him, you know, go fast racing, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Rick Ware, any of those, you know, smaller outfits in cup, would uh if, if somebody like Casey Kane brought a checkbook and you know uh they'd go somewhere and, and buy a little better motor for a race and stuff like that but uh you know I don't see that happening but yeah when uh, Cole Custer ran for Bobby Dodder a couple of years ago in an Xfinity race you know they went and got a Roush Yates great yeah a Roush Yates engine and switched over and ran a Mustang body for the race and he won <laughs> You know, but he was also tied up at that time with Tony Stewart, you know, with Stewart Haas. Yeah. So he had to raise the four. Uh, I wanted to end on a good note. Uh, there was a little bit of a, uh, a good heartwarming story that came out of Saturday night at Eagle. And, and James, you can kind of chime in on this because you experienced it firsthand too. Um, Sport Mod heat races rolled out and uh, the defending track champion, Matt Andrews, uh, was kind of making his way through the field, but all of a sudden pulled off uh, and ended up finishing, I believe, last in his heat race. So that meant he was going to have to come out of the sea. Um, I think they ended up diagnosing that uh, he thought it was maybe a transmission issue, but ends up, I believe he burnt his clutch out 
in the car and they weren't able to fix it in time. They weren't able to get it fixed. Uh, Matt is currently, like I said, trying to defend his track championship for 2022 and uh, currently sitting top five in the points. And Rich Flock, who is the driver of the 88F Sport Mod, uh, went over and said, take my car. And uh, Matt was able to go out there, and I think he qualified for the B, but I don't think he moved on out of the B. Um, but that's just kind of one of those great sportsman stories of Rich very easily could have stayed out there and raced and taken care of his his you know desire to be a racer. But instead, he, he went over to a guy running for a championship and said, take my car. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, uh, blowing out a clutch doesn't necessarily have to end your night, but you're going to really have to bust your tail. I work in a school, so I got to watch my mouth. I mean, you'd really have to bust your tail to try and get it done by the time that the B feature rolls around. And I don't know what kind of situation that Rich was in, whether he was battling a C feature and it was just easier, but no matter whether it was easier or more difficult, you know, you definitely got to hand it to the guy for being a good sportsman and letting yeah. Matt run his car. I know that I think if it came down to it, Matt would do the same, especially now. Yeah. I know that uh, Rich was not in that C feature. I noticed it in the lineup and I thought, why is the 88 F out there? And then all of a sudden I noticed that the uh, lettering was weird. And I pulled out my binoculars and realized they just duct taped a 22 over the 88. At least I'm not the only one that needs binoculars. <laughs> That's happened many times over yeah. the years. That's not like a one-off deal. I absolutely actually, back when I was drag racing, why did the guy run my car? Yeah, so I think those are just some uh, stories that I, I don't think we get to talk about enough. So I wanted to make sure and end the show on that. By the way, as I'm flipping through Facebook, if you want to help support Rich Flock uh, out of Al Malcolm, Nebraska, the 88F, T-shirts are in. Just go to Flock Racing, F-L-O-C-K Racing. Uh, nice looking hoodies, too. I'm going to have to pick myself up one. Uh, help support the 88 has one on next weekend. <laughs> I bet he does. I bet he does. Least Matt can do is buy a T-shirt from Rich. I mean, if he doesn't, I'll buy one for him. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it for us for today. Dirk, you got anything we need to make sure and cover? Uh, no, just hope to see a lot of people. Uh, well, I hope I can make it on Thursday over to Quaker Steak at 2 o'clock. Um, my life's – I'm not counting what I'm going to be doing in 10 <laughs> minutes, let alone in a couple days. But, uh, yeah, oh, everybody wow. – hope there's a lot of turnout for Kim. I wanted to ask you about that. The moving process, what was going on with your flat screen? Did you drop it? No, I did not. I did not touch it. Now, the box I was handling did touch it. I'm, I'm emotionally, physically, whatever you can mentally, I'm exhausted. <laughs> That's moving. moving. Yeah, hours. moving ain't easy. And I got enough stress going through me and then my cat starts stressing out. I move my bed on Friday. He won't go in the bedroom. Huh. He won't even walk in there with the bed gone. And uh, so another couple hundred bucks with him at the vet yesterday. There went the money I made selling my fan fold insulation. But, uh, <laughs> no, just I, I just misjudged and I caught the TV with a corner of a box. Knocked her on the floor and. That's all she wrote for the TV. I'm glad it wasn't an expensive TV. It was like a 42 inch high sense, like 140 or 50 bucks. Yeah. A couple, three years old, but oh. uh, just enough to piss me off. <laughs> that reminds right. me talking about uh, money. Uh, great job, everybody. Thursday night at US 30. Did, uh, James, you could double check me on this, but I believe they raised somewhere around $5,500 uh, 
for the Columbus Cancer Care Foundation. I don't know anything about your official numbers. I just tuned in on Advantage Racing TV because I was trapped at work. But yeah, it definitely sounded like quite a bit. And how much fun was that live auction to actually be at? Was, I love auctions. I love racing. I want to see the two combined more often, but yeah, hopefully for happier reasons. That was that was really fun. I you know, I I haven't been to something like that since I used to go to the cattle auctions with my dad as a kid. He'd uh, he'd rescue me from uh, daycare and he'd take me to the cattle auctions every once in a while. So to hear that that auction call and those guys, that was just, that was so much fun. I, I left there that night going, we, I got to do something like that more often. That was just really cool. Really, really cool. <laughs> yeah, we still need to work together and get me set up with the, all, get on your team with the Alzheimer's yeah. deal. I'm still uh, convinced that if you guys can raise $2,500 for the Alzheimer's Association, uh, the day shift guy at my work, my boss cuts my hair. She works with me at night, but he always says, well, I'll cut your hair and give you five bucks. He <laughs> always wants to give me a bowl cut. So I told him, well, if we can raise $2,500 by September 1st, so it's race saver nationals weekend, I will get the Noah Gregson bowl cut right in front of the entire crowd at Eagle Raceway, which will be a huge crowd because it's Race Saver Nationals. And $2,500, I mean, that's a pretty easy goal. If you can get Chris to bring up a couple of those wings, I'd eat those while I got my hair cut. Uh, if I'm only at $2,500 by the Race Saver Nationals, we're, we're in trouble. So No, I'm saying that's my goal. Ah. Ah, yeah, James that's goal. just mine. I see. No, we're going to get you up to enough to get something done. I got to get moving on that. I have not been focusing on that with – being sick the last couple of weeks, just a lot of stuff's hit the back burner. So I got to get focused on that and start raising money again. Cause I think I'm at 200 bucks of my $20,000 goal two two sixty or something like that. But all right. So well, then, anyways, Jerry Reed, you got a long way to go in a short time to get there, right? Uh, $5,446 for the Columbus cancer care foundation was raised Thursday night at us 30. Great job, everybody. Uh, I this Thursday, looks like a creep in that wig. Uh, I felt like one too. Uh, this Thursday at US 30, they are having uh, race savers back. Uh, you can uh, tag your friends and your favorite 305 driver on the US 30 Facebook page uh, for a chance to win two free tickets to Thursday Night Thunder. All right. I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, nothing else to cover, right, boys? Nope. I think we got her covered. James, thanks a lot for taking time out of your night to join us. Dirk, as always, we'll talk to you again soon. And uh, for all the great fans, Make sure you guys get down to Quaker Steak and Lumen Council Bluffs on Thursday to help celebrate uh, a beautiful life. A great guy who passed away way, way too soon. Kim Elder uh, going to be doing a celebration of life Thursday night at Quaker Steak and Lube starting at two o'clock. I hope to see everybody down there. You know, uh, I'll be down there and uh, Dirk's going to try to make it down, too. So we'll see you guys. Yeah. So that celebration of life is not Thursday night. It's Thursday afternoon. <laughs> right. It's two to two to five. But as uh, his wife, uh, Carol, said, I think we're probably going to be going till about 10 o'clock that night. So, um, yeah, the, the official celebration of life for Quaker Steak and Lube is two to five. Um, and then they're going to keep going all night long. as classic car night usually does. Uh, for Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. Big thanks to James Rowland for joining us uh, on this episode of The Front Stretch presented by Joe's Carding.
Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. Steak and Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just 99 cents with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All You Can Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or six boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and Lube and Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get too quick to steak and lube. 